Welcome, neighbor, to Folk U Radio, Folk University's talk show, taking old school viral. I'm your host, Manda O'Fox Gillespie. It's embarrassing, all the stupid things I can think of to think about. Is there anything that could really bring Today's episode. Hello, neighbor, and welcome to Folk You Radio's 101 show, where we ask our neighbors, What do you know? Today's show is A Compass for 2021 Navigating a Way Forward in These Uncertain Times. It's a bright, sunny day here on Cortez Island, the home of CKTZ, Cortez Community Radio. And I'd like to invite all of you listening, from wherever you are listening, to take a moment to thank the land that you call home and to remember those that have cared for it before you and for, before those that continue to care for it now. Here, from where we broadcast, we are on the unceded territories of the Klahus, Slyaman, and Hamako peoples. I'd like to thank these people and all the neighbors that continue to love and work to honor this place we call home. It's that time of year where the light returns and with it new hope and aspirations for the future. Indeed, it's clear that things are still tumultuous and the new is still finding its way through the soil of 2020 into the the sunlight, we hope, of 2021. Yet I at least feel a sort of resolve welling up inside of me for this new year. Many people use this time to make resolutions for the new year or to choose words of significance or images of encouragement that reflect a focus for the year. What do you do to focus the resolve and lay the groundwork for the year ahead? Today, I welcome onto the show Orion Lee Johnston. Orion is one of the people that I go to when I need help figuring out a way to get outside of my own head and to find answers or figure out a pathway forward. And so I thought, what a good time of year to bring her on and find little guidance, a little light forward, uh, not just for myself, but for all of us who call ourselves a community. Welcome, Orion Lee. Thank you, Manda. Pleasure to be here live in person. Um, it, it, it really is so nice to have community also involving people in person. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit about your story in relationship to that and how you came to be in this part of the world. Funny, I've just been editing that section in my memoir, um, which is called The Geography of Belonging, called Questions of Identity. And I've been doing the bio, which says, I was born and brought up and still call the West Coast Temperate Rainforest of Canada my home. And 
I mean, there are many ways to look at how did I wind up on Cortez, but one way is that having been born up the coast in Ocean Falls in the central mid-coast near, you know, inland from Bella Bella, that mm, like the salmon are called home. When I was six, I moved to Vancouver and lived there until my son Devin was four, or outside of Vancouver. And then something called me home, and the Ocean Falls is in the Great Bear Rainforest. And do you know that Cortez is not very many kilometers south of the boundary of the Great Bear? So that's how I like to say is that I was, I was called home. Oh, I, I like that. And didn't have so far to go to, to reach that home, right. um, as some of us have. Um, so we... Today, we, call, we, we thought a lot um, together about how we were going to call this particular episode because we're trying to cover a lot of territory. And a lot of territory that's not always so easy for at least me to speak about. Um, and so I thought, could we spend a little bit of time about uh, d- explaining to everyone listening as to why we came up with this metaphor of a compass and how we could create or use this idea of a compass to help us orient ourselves in our lives and in this time versus the way we usually think about using a compass as a way of orienting ourselves in relationship to the four directions. In our conversation, the four we do use the four directions, and I correspond the four directions to the four suits of the tarot, to the four elements, and to something called the um, Brahma Viharas in Buddhism. And so, if someone at home has a piece of paper and a pencil, you can draw four directions across with north, south, east, west, and one of the ways to orient ourselves collectively, and then perhaps later we can do, individuals can think about this for themselves at home, that the four Brahma Viharas are the four heavenly abodes. They're the divine qualities of the heart. And the first one, loving kindness, many people have heard of metta, loving kindness, which really in the it's unconditional friendliness and it's a way of being and a way of relating and that's in the west which is water which is what flows when you're being true to what's called for in these times and then compassion which we'll touch on again that you're very interested in is what happens when that unconditional friendliness, that loving kindness encounters suffering that elicits compassion. And then there's the discernment of can I do something because compassion's in the north. We know that expression compassion in action and we can be called to take action and sometimes we cannot. And so then there's rather than action, there's the the ability or the capacity to bear the suffering. You know, so often we feel like we need to do something and we don't know what. 
and one thing to do is to simply be able to bear the suffering and the, the discomfort. And I learned about that in Africa particularly, but it's applicable here. And in the South is empathetic joy. And this means that even if you're having a not-so-great day, that there is joy in a bird singing. Or there is joy in this, the, for me, this morning, this, the frost on the grass is just so sparkly and diamond-like. So to be able to notice that, even if I'm not feeling so great, that's what the mudita, the empathetic joy is. And then the four, and that's in the south, which is fire, sun, what is animating, what keeps us alive. The element, I said, the element of fire. And then in the east is E for equanimity, which doesn't mean just a stable peace no matter what. It's, for example, the, one of the main qualities of the Dalai Lama, who certainly knows and experiences the rock and roll and tumultuous feelings and responses to the events of the world and also for a lot of us our inner state and it means and I wrote this in a hollyhock description for our horse program equine imity standing in the midst of all or being in the midst of all with true composure and so it's the antidote to um, drama and reactivity and I was thinking about, you know, you were interested in how does one cultivate these qualities or how do they arise in one's life if you don't have a dedicated meditation practice, which I do. Um, and I realize the way to begin is to notice when you're feeling reactive and go, I can choose to pause and take a bigger perspective. That's the element of air in the East. Or if I'm feeling um, kind of numb and depressed, then can I notice, as I said, uh, those little birds that are around everywhere now, or the, you know, the raindrops on the fence? And if I'm feeling judgmental, just notice the judgment. That's, that's what mindfulness is. Notice, I notice I'm being judgmental, then okay, I can choose to be more compassionate. Or if I'm feeling um, disconnected and too isolated, then I go, oh, okay, it's time to bring to mind, you know, do you have, is there a child you love or, or a, a cat or something that evokes a feeling of, of connection and warmth instead of coldness and disconnect. And I'll say now, and everything that we're speaking about from my perspective is not a prescription. It's not the way I think it is for everybody or the world. We're simply having a conversation about what's my experience. Uh, and I, th for me, that's one of the reasons I've brought you on is that I feel like you make it really easy to have a conversation. I don't feel judged or less because I'm not there with all these things. So I really love that about your approach um, to all the things that I've experienced that you do. So thank you, Orion Lee. You're welcome, Amanda. So that kind of gets into the t more specific thing that I would like to ask about, which is a little bit more about meditation. Um, and this is a practice that I find 
people always bring up. And often it's sort of brought up in a, you know, like the sort of more actualized, realized, calm person will say to the more scattered, running all over the place person like me, um, you know, well, you know, meditation, you should try it sometime. (laughs) And I'm wondering if you can give um, a little bit more uh, idea of where do you start if you do find in particular that you're a person um, really drawn like me to doing or to, you know, the beautiful distractions of one's own mind and thinking. What are kind of good concrete ways to get started on a more meditative life? Well, even the word meditative implies some kind of calm tranquility, and that is just not your nature, Amanda. <laughs> oh, I can tell you how I came to this, and and we all we're all different, so there are different approaches for different people. And I have done, of course, many things, given my background, and I found mindfulness particularly difficult to keep going other than to notice when I was being distracted or anxious or, um, you know, reactive. So my personal practice has been for maybe 12 years, it's, it's meditating through the body. Because I would tend to, you know, leave the body and not be very grounded. And so the very, the fundamental practice is lying down on the ground or on your yoga mat or your bed. I do a lot of it lying down in bed, but a lot, but lying down on the ground and essentially through a guided body part by body part, melting into the earth. So not only does it allow the anxiousness and the tension in our minds and bodies to kind of release and have a place to go, instead of just trying to get rid of it, it goes to the ground, um, it changes. I know for myself it changes the brain, and it's changed my whole sense of being alive in this world. Here's, and here's a cool thing, you know that expression, save the world? Well, that's an intellectual thing. It's a mind thing, and then it's an action thing. So a few years ago, Bill Weaver and I and some other People were in conversation, Bill, who makes videos and did that video on my horse website. He said, how about savor the world? Savor the world, which brings us to the sensuousness of this world. And in the tarot, it's about becoming more and more embodied and of this luscious, sensuous world or the places where it's barren and trashed, you know, the, the feeling experience of that. So he said, how about savor the world? And I said, how about savor creation? Because creation is a living, animated, not entity, but process of, you know, evolving creative so that to me is if I am savoring creation, that to me would be the, the it's like I've arrived. I, I can so much more relate to that because um, 
it doesn't just feel like it's t- removing from the mind or from the body or whatever, but it, there is like action and stillness and stillness and action kind of uh, built into to that way of thinking. And I often find that with you that you can kind of give a little turn of the phrase that allows me at least to rethink um, the way I might have approached something before. And that lightness to meditation where um, I don't feel like, uh, there's only one way to do it. it helps me to feel like okay maybe then tomorrow's the day I really will do it <laughs> <laughs> who knows maybe even today um, so giving little hints as to what some of my uh, um, and, uh, hopes for the year um, are so you also talked a bit about compassion and um, and your work around compassion in your own life. Can you talk about how you've embodied that and think about that a little bit more? It's a learning curve. And when I said earlier um, that compassion is the loving kindness, it arises when we're in that state of loving kindness, when we encounter or touch suffering. And I just heard that last weekend because I'm doing a four-weekend series on these Brahma-viharas with um, Stephen Smith and Michelle McDonald, who you know, we first brought to Hollyhock 30 years ago. And then 20 years ago now, I went several years in a row with them, to, with Michelle to Burma, to um, practice deeply and then bring that experience of what is it like to really meditate and practice deeply back to our community here and the things that I was involved in and we did a uh, Steve and I and a few others did a compassion in action project in Vancouver in your old neighborhood in the downtown east side meeting over oh perhaps a year every few months in the attic of a, a house on East Hastings Street and we didn't actually get to doing some action in the streets but the um, the experience of doing the hard opening practices where the the hard harsh realities of life are right there when you go out for lunch or when you're meditating you can hear it on the street it's super humbling and that um, feels like a good time to tell us a little bit more because uh, I didn't know that you'd gone to Burma, but I do know that you've spent a great deal of time in Africa, um, which I imagine is a uh, a beautiful place to learn about compassion from so much beautiful, act, so much acts of compassion that you see practiced there. Can you talk to us a little bit about what took you to Africa and some of the learnings that you had there? Yes, which are in my book. (laughs) Well, to be honest, here's how I got to Africa. I was doing these body meditations. This was 10, oh, 11 years ago, something like that. And I was doing these body meditations. At that time, I was living in the winters on my friend's horse farm in Goldstream, just north of Victoria. And... I was lying on the ground in the fall and doing this deep melting into the earth and the horses were nearby grazing and when you're in that kind of state the horses are just oh here's another 
animal lying on the ground. It's perfectly safe when you know what you're doing. And I guess I could say I heard a voice, but it came over me, literally, go lie your body on the earth of Africa. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I've always wanted to go there. How would I be there for some, what would I do there? Horses, what else would I want to do at that time? And how could I stay there for some period of time without much money? Volunteer. Literally, Manda, I went in the house, opened my laptop, and Googled Africa horse volunteer. And two months later, I was there, riding on the beaches of the Indian Ocean in Mozambique. Just like that. Not just like that, but... I, I, I love it, but it is sort of when the moment is right and a person is ready. It can be like that. And um, I feel like let's talk a little bit about this third aspect, or maybe maybe it was the fourth aspect. I need to look at my compass of equanimity and, or as you say, equanimity, and talk about horses and you today because you have started something on Cortez called the White Horse Sanctuary. Um, and it feels like this has been a culmination of quite a few different parts of you and your work. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, horses, why horses, why you with horses and how you got here with horses um, and what here is uh, with the White Horse Sanctuary? Mm -hmm. That was a lot of questions. Pardon well, me. thank you for wrapping all of that together and White Horse Sanctuary being a kind of fulfillment. Um, I've never had my own horses before. How I like to say it is, I am Omar and Raven's human. I don't consider myself a horse owner. I'm a kind of a steward of their care. And it just was time for a different kind of relationship, a certain kind of responsibility that has been more grounding than anything since raising a child. And... They came to me equally serendipitously in a story. We won't go into that long story now, but um, after a number of years of being in Zimbabwe, I began to feel a little gratu uh, gratuitous, like I needed a deeper sense of purpose. Yes, it's fine to explore the wilderness and contribute to you know, a, a, a land preservation project there and to keep the horses exercised and to... Um, learn a lot about compassion by having a, a Shona family there and friends. And um, and so your whole time in Africa, were you uh, working with horses there too? And, and was that the beginning of your horse work or you kind of alluded to maybe there were horses even earlier in your life? Um, so just trying to lay the pathway of how does one become um, a sanctuary, you know, for horses on Cortez. Um, it seems like that doesn't just come out of a dream. Right. Well, that when I began to feel like I was a bit self-serving in Africa, Again, serendipitously, I found myself at the gates of a farm called Healing with Horses Zimbabwe. And that was in 2018. Um, there were 30-plus horses, high-ranking competing horses, and 30-year-old sway-backed mares with no eyes. And then special children would come and do therapeutic riding with these horses. 
and it just changed everything. And I think that that was where the seed came. It wasn't that I intended to wind up here with these two horses and with White Horse Sanctuary. And really, it's a it's not necess- it's at the moment located on what on Raven Farm, but it's really a state of being. It's not a place. So that several of my horsewomen friends in other places. I consider part of White Horse Sanctuary. Uh, and can I? I still remember actually. Um, my it was my daughter who had heard in one of her sort of homeschool classes or something about some of your work with horses. And did maybe some of it include elephants? I don't know. But she came home so touched by some of the stories of what you had done there. And I'm wondering if you can share just one or something that comes to mind about, um, you know, the sort of healing power of horses, because it's the kind of thing that someone like I have heard about a lot, but I'm always, um, I guess I just don't fully see the potential because I haven't had a lot of horses in my life. And when I think about horses, I think they're kind of big, they're kind of scary. They seem like a lot of work. Uh, So kind of why I guess so I'd love to to just have a feel-good moment with one of your stories (laughs) this well what comes to mind is a number of years ago uh, in a different location on Vancouver Island but again a white horse called Nepenthe which means she was a beautiful mare quite like Omar and Raven and Nepenthe means reliever of sorrow and a woman came because her husband had left her And she was absolutely bereft. And she said, I don't need to go into the drama or the nitty gritty of it. I just need to know there's something bigger than me and my suffering. So we did the body meditation, the same one that's on the White Horse Sanctuary website. And then I just walked behind her as she walked close closer and closer to Nepenthe and we were coming from the side and she started stroking her this woman and I just said it's perfectly safe if you move around and start stroking Nepenthe from behind and immediately you know people go ah that's a scary place to be but if you're tuned in it's not at all and so she she eventually is leaning her chest against the back of Nepenthe with her arms around his her hips, Nepenthe's hips, with her head lying at the top of Nepenthe's tail. And, you know, many of my colleagues will go, okay, what's happening, and read something into that. But that's not how I work. You just allow the horse to have her way with the person. And for about 20 minutes, this woman just lay like that and then she and I could feel her breathing deepening and eventually her breathing was in sync with Nepenthe's breathing and the the heart the electromagnetic field of a horse's heart is six times bigger than a human's heart so when you get that close to them which is about within six feet or there's six feet and then a 12 foot radius and then like a plus 20 foot radius then you begin to entrain with that horse's stability. And it's a way of regulating, you know, dysregulation or being incoherent or discombobulated or heart sick, so to speak. And then she just stepped back and said, okay, that's it. I got it. I feel held in something. 
that is a beautiful story. Um, so thank you for for that. And um, so I feel like these are beautiful for their concreteness. Mm-hmm. It's like taking those ideas of compassion or equanimity, um, which I feel like can seem a little abstract often. <laughs> Just like meditation can seem like an abstract state, like, oh yeah, I know I want to get there, but you know, but boy, it seems like a far way away. Do you have um, other little uh, gifts of kind of, you know, breadcrumbs along the way that stand out to you that you feel like you might like to share with us right now? Well, another example that comes to mind is when someone comes to see the horses, for example, then we can talk about other means, and they want to tell you their story. This has happened to me, that's happened to me, da 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 And to be perfectly honest, I'm not interested in the story. So I will find a way to, whether it's putting their hands on the horse, for them to stop talking. And as soon as someone stops talking, then they begin to feel present with the horse and calm down. It's that simple. It's like my grandson in Nanaimo is learning self-regulation in school. So you can't help but be regulated in the presence of a horse. I I feel like particularly when one is in a state of of kind of non-regulation, it seems impossible to figure out how to get there. And so I love maybe all schools, we can just disband the classroom, take them out into the field more often. It'd be COVID safe. Um, who doesn't like that? It is 1.30 right now, uh, except for maybe this is a repeat and then it won't be 1.30. And so I'm going to take a moment to say you are listening to CKTZ 89.5 FM. Cortez Community Radio. You can also listen to us live on the web at cortezradio.ca. We have Orion Lee Johnston with us. And I. this is a great moment to tell us a little bit about how these practices that you use in your own life, how they've actually come to um, bear on this time living uh, through COVID on Cortez. Winter on Cortez can be a pretty lonely, dark experience in the best of times. And I feel like during uh, COVID, it's really tested our fortitude. Uh, How has it been for you? And have you found that these practices have um, helped you in the ways that you hoped and wish they would? I'll say this with the understanding that there are certainly people on Cortez for whom this is very difficult in myriad of ways. I don't need to list the ways. And and so, you know, you and I both are aware of that. And for me personally, it's introvert heaven because there's nothing I should be doing other than what I'm doing and in the bubble of people that I see. And there's nothing going on that I'm being left out of or I should make an appearance at. And so it's a beautiful container that doesn't need to be so I feel like consolidating rather than dispersing and that for me has been made it much easier to to you know I do practice in the morning but more it's what I am able to notice in the day because I'm less distracted and and 
does having a relationship with horses help with loneliness? I would say absolutely, and I've really noticed that recently. I am crediting Omar and Raven for me being a happy camper during this time, personally. And the the accumulation of being with them over, well, I started to know them in 2017, but the last two years has, I mean, I don't like November. November is scary. It's dark. Um, I live alone at present. And it's, you know, oh, my goodness. And that didn't happen this year, nor did it happen last November. I am going every day to be with those horses. And I think that that, along with the meditation practice, has actually changed my brain so that I don't anticipate that, ah, it's going to be dark, it's going to be long, I'm going to be alone. So uh, it's been, to use that word, transformative, really. And, you know, I don't know, I don't study, you know, the neural, the, what are the words that, the brain changing, <laughs> neuroscience, yeah, yeah, yeah. neuroscience. But I think I'm an example of, of what happens. We'll get, we'll get Haley on at some point to okay. talk about what happens in the brain. She's already talked a little bit about that and the nervous system because exactly. they are one. Well, and I bet right. she would be f- absolutely say that there are even perceivable in brain imagery changes that have happened. It's not, it's not just in your head. It's not at all in my head. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. I'm, I'm laughing. I, I really like puns. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I have to imagine uh, Omar and Raven don't have to wear masks and hand sanitize for you to give them a hug, which it's got to feel nice. Yesterday, we had there's some little girls come regularly. It's so sweet. Um, and so we were standing there and... Uh, you know, I asked them one at a time to come by his nose and just breathe on his nose and then to put their cheek under his nose and to feel his breath on them. And it's so calming and so connecting. Can you imagine? And then sometimes I'll confess, I put my ear by their nostril and it's just the most glorious sensation, this breathing in your ear. I I I do feel a little bit of fear rises up in me when I even think about it, but I like that you could get to the place where you can go right to sensation through fear. And if you would come by yourself, um, we can absolutely do something about that fearfulness. It's really easy to dispel that. Uh, thank you. <laughs> she can help you too, people. Um, so let's... Uh, one of the things I'm very excited to uh, talk a little bit more about today is tarot. And I I know that you've had many, many years of experience and practicing with tar- with the tarot. And I thought maybe you could start by telling us a little bit more about how you came to practice with the tarot and what that process was like, because I believe you actually studied um you know, the tarot uh, in a, you know, long format and a more formal format. But I also, um, yeah, I was just wondering about how other people can begin to engage with it. And if there's a way that you can explain the tarot to us that doesn't take, you know, a few years uh, of needing to actually study and practice with it. Oh, uh, as I did about a year ago in our Folk You Noon Hour talk. 
in the very beginning, I was in my Saturn return, and anybody over the age of 30 might know a listener about the Saturn return, where you lose your bearings, and it's a time of reorienting. And I happened to do a weekend workshop, and I went, oh, here's how I can make sense of things. This is what, uh, this is what the experience, it gave me a frame of reference for being a human on this earth. And so, and it's a living system. And over the decades since then, what I notice is as the collective psyche of people changes in our society, that the meaning of the tarot cards changes. And it's not like I get, you know, newsletters in my inbox, but it just comes through the readings. And so in answer to your question of how did I study, it was with um, a very particular teacher for whom I am grateful. And every time I spread out the cards in that arc when we're doing a reading, as I spread them out, uh, I thank that person still decades later for that foundation, that strong foundation. And we studied, I was in Vancouver in the beginning, uh, weekly, and then it was over a period of years. Then we meet a whole day once a month over a period of year, and then for a whole week once a year over a number of years. And it was all about learning it through our own experience. So, for example, if someone's going to learn start working with their own tarot, absolutely don't read a book, and especially don't read the little book that comes with your tarot cards, because that's not your own experience. So I suggest rather than um, predicting, like choosing a card to predict something, that you choose a card after a certain experience, like, oh, I've just had this experience. Let's choose a tarot card, and then you look at it, and that's your meaning and definition is that experience is that card reflects that kind of experience or you could do it what has this week been about or what was today so it's you begin to create your own encyclopedia really and do you have I mean I know this isn't a textbook but I sometimes I'm a little literal so I want to try to make it one um could you when you're when you're doing that um and you've had an experience can it be a sort of like you're visualizing a larger, more epic experience of like, okay, um, I just finished a, a job that I've been working for a few years and I want to know what this feeling is of of feeling like well completed, but in that in between of something new, right? So, okay, I'm, I'm imagining that, I'm experiencing that as best as I, as clearly as I can as a feeling and then I go to the deck. Is that specific enough or? Would you like to choose one? Oh, right now I'm here. I feel like um, okay. Uh, well, that was that example was not about me. But, okay. So well, how about I, how um well, how about we 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 talk a little bit more and I think about something and okay. then I um oh wait okay wait no I, I have something um okay so one of the things I'm thinking about doing so I'm just gonna say this out loud right, take these okay and just shuffle them around while you're doing this. Okay, so I'm right now thinking uh, on air out loud. So this is a real test of my abilities. Um, 
uh, about this new folk you radio program that I want to do. Um, and I've been talking with a number of you out there listening about how we could combine more actively the things I miss about folk university where we came together in real time and other people would say, what about this or what about that? And we would have conversations and combine that with some of the amazing reporting that's happening right now through Cortez Currents, kind of in-depth thinking, uh, often interviews with neighbors um, or, you know, or experts or other things around topics of the day. Um, so it's like neighbors actually gathering and speaking together and topics of the day with with the radio because that's what's safe and available to us right now uh, during COVID and it's just plays such a beautiful role. And so I'm at the beginning of thinking about how these things could come together in a new way. And it feels kind of chaotic in my brain and like it hasn't found quite format. Is that, a, is that clear enough of a, mm-hmm. okay. So what would the card be? Uh, even choosing a card creates anxiety in me well, because I'm like. Rather than choosing, okay. notice there's a card that's going to reflect what you've just talked about. So just allow your hand to be drawn to that card as a, like a magnet. Okay, and I'm gonna show Orion Lee what this card is. This is the archetype. There's three kinds of cards in the tarot. Okay. There's the ace to ten, like in a regular card deck, and those reflect the situations and circumstances and conditions of our life, so how we engage with the world. In four suits, and the four suits is what we do, what we think, how we feel, and just the state of our energy. And then the royal cards in a tarot deck, they show what's your best suit. Is it to do something, to plan and think and communicate something, or is it about feelings, or is it about creativity and and inspiration? Then there's 22 cards that don't exist in a regular card deck, and those are archetypes, which are the inner kind of experiences or journeys that evoke healing, consciousness, growth, evolution. And so you've got an archetype, which is perfect because this is a... Um, you know, this is not a set of conditions in the world. You've got what is this? And the archetype of the hanged one, if we want to do it in the feminist language, is about, um, it's about surrendering to what is new. It's a card of resurrection. It's, you know, one way of looking at it is Christ on the cross. And so part of it, this could be for you personally, Mandra, is to not sacrifice yourself on the cross. Not to, you know, overwork for one thing. <laughs> and so if I'm, I'm laughing at that one. Cause. Yeah, <laughs> we know this. <laughs> or to think that you're accountable or more beholden to make a difference than is actually realistic for you at this point in life in this point in time so it's for you to not sacrifice yourself however there's a bigger mission here which is um, the emergence of something bigger than what has been in the past oh it it really feels like that's does that fit 
it feels like a great card. Not, I mean, both for the the thing that I was speaking about, but then also actually when I think about 2021 and how I sort of feel about this year, mm-hmm. I think that sort of sums it up. And I don't think I'm alone in that, that sort of sense that we have all kind of been through a shared suffering, even if we've had different parts of what that has meant. And I, th- you know, I feel at least for one ready for, for the resurrection, for something essential in us to be reborn. And if you notice this, the hanged one, it's a a human figure upside down. What that means is in this new way of life, if you're feeling disoriented, that means you're look. that's the correct way of viewing things. So if you feel, uh, oh, so wow. if you imagine you're upside down and the world isn't making sense, that's absolutely correct. And to not try and squirm your way back to what feels familiar. So it's the unfamiliarity of of this new orientation. Well, I just I feel like this could be a first right now. I'm just saying, where we can have this sort of amazing tarot reading experience (laughs) over the air live um so i hope that gave you uh something too because that felt really profound for me um and it just it does make me feel so excited about the potential of the tarot and one of the things that is really interesting i know about you is that you do tarot readings for people all over the world and so so one of the things when I asked um, Orion Lee to do today that I wanted to know is kind of like a, a check-in, like a sort of, how, you know, Orion Lee, what really is the state of the world? Um, and I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit of things that you have seen come up um, and maybe starting with like, did you see anything coming up again and again uh, images, cards, again and again in your readings a year ago, um, kind of, you know, just pre-pandemic. Um, and are you seeing anything now that is really standing out? Well, fortunately, around this time last year, I started to track what were the cards that were coming up because I'm really curious what is consistent across people. And I call it, and you do this in your approach as well, is like, I love having my finger on the pulse of the collective. And so here's what's, yes, over, you know, the first half of last year, the the dreaded car archetypes of the tower, the devil and death were coming up consistently. And I'll tell you what, what that means. You know, if someone gets those in a reading, um, especially if they've had a reading in the past, and they go, oh, no, the tower. Well, the tower is about letting go. It's about things falling apart. It's like when those twin towers went in New York. It's the chaos that necessarily proceed, precedes coherence. So there's the fragmentation, the instability, the letting go, the, you know, the blasting apart. It's a time of purification. And I'll say in terms of a time of purification, I have a a friend in Zimbabwe. She's a Shona woman and she's a a spiritual guide, I would say, 
not she's Ananga is more the healer with the herbs and the earth stuff. She's more the working directly with the spirits, and she started. Uh, WhatsApping in her WhatsApp messages a year ago, November, she started foretelling what was happening. And the one phrase that she said, you know, messaged me that stood out the most was, Mother Earth is highly organizing herself. So, you know, that will mean different things to different people. So the tower is the promise of the coherence and coming into some um, some wholeness after chaos. And it's, you know, can be a long process. And now the devil, in a person, it means you're recognizing ways that your conditioning is keeping you bound and confined and limited. Whether it's family conditioning, society's conditioning, school conditioning. And then in a bigger collective way, it's the um, breaking down of old, old patterns. It's liberation from the oppression of the, the hierarchical ways. And in the deck that I use, the image in the traditional um, decks, the devil shows a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, chained to the devil, you know, very Christian sin oriented. And in the deck that I use, it shows a pagan, a, a goat, a mountain goat, stable, no matter how rugged the terrain. So I always welcome the devil because it means great. Those things that have been keeping me limited in the way that I perceive and experience life are, are going and it um, it's how it works very specifically is for example here's an example many years ago when I lived at Linnea and we had a big green truck I think it was called moss and we'd gone to the beach <clears throat> and I collected seaweed and I was forking the seaweed off into the garden and I could hear myself you're doing this wrong this is not the way to be doing that giving myself such a hard time and then I went wait a minute there is no wrong way to chuck seaweed off a truck into a garden. And I recognized it was my thinking. So it's that kind of thing to notice those patterned ways of, of thinking and perceiving. So the devil means those are going. You know, and whether it's institutional in politics, religion, education, corporate, take a look around. And then the other one was the death card, which is death and rebirth. And it's simply letting go, which allows room for the emergence of the new. And my favorite imagery from that in the Motherpiece Tarot deck, which is a feminist deck, the image shows a snake shedding its skin and the emergence of a new animal. I uh, just want to take a moment, too, because... I really felt last year, even before, and, and really some of it was with you and your guidance, and I strongly started getting called um, to do more work with people like you and Margaret, uh, for sure, who's led a lot of the death collective stuff. So that's a very kind of literal interpretation of it. But what I started realizing is that I wanted her to be in things that I was doing so that I would be forced to be aware of how 
in order for new things to come about, old things had to be allowed to go. And how, at least in my own work, it's so hard to say a project is done or an organization has met its, its, like it's good time to leave, right? Like it, like it has met the things that it's set out to do, and it's or time it for hasn't. yeah, or it hasn't, and now it needs to to end in order for something else to begin. Just endings, endings, not something we practice very often um, in this world. So I love the idea of of the death card being about a snake shedding its skin and also how absolutely uh, apropos that those things would be coming up last year. And so now, what are you seeing now? Well, actually, before you even invited me to do this radio program not very long ago, um, I decided I would take a look. And again, I'm not saying this is the truth. I'm just saying, here's what came up as I posed the question, what's up for us collectively this year? And so I shuffled the cards, which is you just mess them around on a tabletop or a desktop as you just did, and then collect them together. And the three top cards are, um, I usually do three. And there was one of the ones that talks about the situation. There was one that reflects the archetype, and there was one that reflects, it, you know, the royal card that reflects the power. So we've got a set of conditions and an inner, you know, how do we work with this, and we have some mobilizing energy. The archetype was, man, to get this, the archetype of justice. And the two simplest ways of uh, thinking about justice are it's a time of in my deck it's called adjustment it's a time of recalibrating where you go inside and you're reorienting inside yourself based on what are your real values not the expectations from outside yourself or from your own shoulds anything like that what is true for you when you have the, the opportunity to go inside? And then how do you bring those out? So it's a time of deep, it's like a train coming into the roundhouse off a track. And then it's, you know, receives some maintenance tinkering, adjusting new parts if it needs some new parts. I mean, that's one way of looking at what's been happening to us. And then it will go off maybe in the same direction it came in or a different direction. So it's, I like that word recalibration. And then the other aspect of justice is it's about responsibility, but not in terms of taking it on, feeling burdened or a demand. It's the ability to be responsive and responsive to both what arises inside oneself, whether it's fear and anxiety and going, okay, how do I work with this? Or whether it's an inspiration and a movement towards some compassionate action. So being responsive to what genuinely arises from inside you rather than imposed or what you think you should do, and also responsive to what you encounter in the world instead of being reactive. So can you see the spaciousness in that? Yes. 
<laughs> so that's the way of being that came up, is this is our way of being. And then the situation, like what does the lay of the land look like? And I, I know this isn't true for everyone on Cortez or everyone everywhere, but, you know, I think if if those of us that can are aware of this and can practice this was the Six of Cups. And the Six of Cups is about being centered in the heart. And being centered in the heart doesn't mean just staying centered in yourself. It's about an, a, a kind of reciprocity so that as you offer, you know, without expectation, and then you receive and you accept what you're receiving. So it's in most tarot decks, it, it shows two children playing. So the six is where everything comes together in wholeness. It's the coherence after the tower. In the heart, love, which even the new President Biden and his elder priest who gave the benediction at his inauguration, it was all about love, that benediction. And then the mobilizing energy, and I often like this power card is the most informative. It's the prince of discs. Discs is earth practicality down to, you know, down to earth grounded. And the prince is the mind. It's what's our purpose. It's forward momentum. The quest is put our principles to purpose. Act in accordance with our values. And it's like the rubber hits the road. There's work to do. Let's do that. So it's, it's time for um, thoughtful action. Or, or if not action, thoughtful um, groundedness. You know, pentacles, earth, discs, the body, the garden, the food. What, how we live. And I feel like we see that really playing out, at least in places like here where, um, but maybe this is also why like the whole world has started doing sourdough baking, um, you know, <laughs> not just here, um, uh, you know, it feels practical, uh, grounded in the kind of future that we want to, um, or at least some of us, you know, want to manifest. Um, and are you seeing then these things coming up again and again? Um, these were actually when I asked the question. Uh -huh. um, it would take me a minute to think what are the cards that have been coming up in the, you know, since I sent out an a e-newsletter to my clients just around the new year, and I've been, uh, you know, I've done a, a reading a day in the UK and Australia, New York, here, Vancouver, and, and it's pretty consistent. It's very inspiring, and it's one reason why I love to do this, in addition to the fact that it changes over time. It's not just one system. Is I feel so inspired by, for example, how true you are to your call. That was one thing a year ago, and now you're shifting, and it's something else. And it's as if the coverings are coming off of people, and there's like, here's what I really want to do. You know, I've been a, a marketing executive in a big city, and now I need to do, you know, a, a homeless project, is an example. 
I love that. Well, uh, let's take a moment to tell you that you are listening to CKTZ 89.5 FM, Cortez Community Radio, on the web at cortezradio.ca. And this is the Folk You Radio 101 show, where we bring neighbors in and ask them, what do they know? We are really fortunate today to have Orion Lee Johnston with us, and we are learning a little bit about little bit about how we can create a compass for ourselves to orient ourselves in this time. And we have just been talking a little bit more about the tarot. And I'm going to make a special offer that Orion Lee does not know about. So, um, but you get to hear right now. I got to pick a tarot card um, and have her explain, have Orion Lee explain it for me. What if you tried that at home? If you have a deck what if you ask yourself, what is this thing that I am feeling? How would that manifest in a card? And pull a card for yourselves and call up. See if Orion Lee can tell you a little bit more about it. Or if you don't have a deck at home, why don't you consider calling up? She's shaking her head no, but I feel like we could pull something off. Try calling and seeing what we can, whether we can do something. It won't be on air. This is going to in the background, there's just going to be music. Everybody at home can just listen to music, try to pull their own tarot card. But if you're one of the lucky few who gets through first, you might be able to try an all new experience of an off air (laughs) radio reading. Um, So I feel like we should give it a try because I like doing that kind of stuff. Orionly looks a little scared. So this will probably... Yeah, yeah. It's she's she's willing because it's not going to be on air. It's just going to be to between you and her. Um, so give a try. Call us up at two five zero nine three five zero two zero zero. We will have about fifteen minutes of music, so there should be time for uh, more than one of you to call. Or if you just have other questions or things that you would like to share with us, um, or just questions about the tarot, about your own guidance practices, um, ideas to share with us. We'd love to hear them. Um, It's what makes this feel like it is a community radio show. So please do give us a call, 250-935-0200. And uh, I hope you enjoy the music, which I hope I can find Um, uh, (laughs) every time. It's okay. I think I've I've figured it out. All right. Um, You can see if you can guess why I've picked what I've picked.
had our phones ringing off the hooks here at Folk U Radio with our our on-air call for an off-air tarot reading with Orion Lee. She'll pick a card for you, or if you have a card or a deck at home that you can pick from, she'll help you read deeper into it. So a couple of you were trying to call at once. Um, We do not have sophisticated phone lines, but just so you know, you do not have to worry. This reading is completely off-air, and it is just for you to have a little bit of time with Orion Lee. So keep calling, folks, at 250-935-0200 if you would like to speak with and or share something with Orion Lee or talk about the tarot in any way in your life. Now back to a few more minutes of music.
Welcome back. You are listening to Folk You Radio's 101 show on CKTZ 89.5 FM, Cortez Community Radio. We have Orion Lee Johnston on today, and before the break, we were talking a little bit about how it might be possible to create a compass to help navigate one's way forward in 2021 and some of the tools that Orion Lee has used in some ways to think about that. And in particular, um, and then we, we over the break, uh, were able to do some tarot for some of you lucky folks. And we talked about tarot as one of those tools to navigate forward, but also um, the acts of uh, other meditation practices and the four, four Brahma Brahma Viharas. So she will reorient you to those, but also she can help you, guide you right now, and a little bit more about how to use those tools to think and plan and navigate your own path forward for 2021. So if you have uh, a moment and you are not driving or something like that right now, go get a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen, something to write with, and then you can make the most use of this next moment or segment for yourself. But if you're at work or you're in the car, then that's okay too. These will still be things that you can think about, assuming you can think and drive <laughs> or think and you know, check people out at the uh, cash register. So I'm going to turn it over to Orion Lee now to help us think about how we can create our own compass forward for 2021. Great. If you do have a piece of paper, or as Amanda said, if you're driving or otherwise occupied, um, do picture a compass with the north, the south, the east, and the west. And earlier on, um, we gave the correspondences to the elements, the north being earth, at least in the way that I attribute them, the south being fire, the west being water, and the east being air. And then, of course, there's the center. So... What direction do you want to start with, Manda? Um, I'm very literal, so I'd like to just start with north because okay. I always say north, south, east, west. Uh, okay. <laughs> Actually, I think let's start with the east. It occurs to me. Uh, I I I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not unfamiliar <laughs> with being wrong. I think because we, I, we were just talking about your intelligence as the music was playing. So that would be the east. So, which is the element of air, which is a bigger perspective. So imagine yourself with a bigger perspective beyond your own thoughts, emotions, stories, all of that in, that, in a bigger kind of picture. And from here, you can take a breath, you can close your eyes, you can feel your seat in your chair and just kind of tune in inside yourself. And here's the question. What do you stand for? What would you advocate for? What is your primary value or values? If you are going to, yeah, stand for something, advocate for something, be an advocate for something, and this was, you know, what you perceived to be true and where you held the most value, just make a note of that or carry that in your mind. Are you doing this, Menda? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I always do what my guests tell me to do. Can you give me okay. some examples, though? Um, back to how I, <laughs> I could be kind of literal. So is like is truth a primary value or do we have to go a little deeper? What's your truth? Okay. Okay. Or what's your stance, you know? Um, I would say I stand uh, for those four heavenly abodes, the qualities of the heart that we were talking about earlier. And you don't have to think about it, just what comes up. You know, or maybe you have, you know, someone advocates for feral cats, it could be. It can be very specific. Or it can be for children's rights to homeschooling. Or it can be for a quality of, of like kindness, for example. But it will be individual for everybody. Let me know when you're ready to move on. And the simpler, the better. Then in the south, which is the element of fire, so fire is what is your, in a sense, medicine? What it makes you feel alive? What animates you when you, f you, know, when you feel uh, enthusiastic? Or what not makes you, what causes you? And is it something inside yourself? Yeah, so and put that in the south, in the element of fire. Fire is what fires us up. <clears throat> or if you're not feeling well, what's your good medicine? Is it something you actually take or eat? Is it some action that you have? Could be some person or animal that you go be with or place. And now in the West, which is the element of water, which is, you know, the path of least resistance, what, what's your experience when your heart is invested? You know, when you really care so that you know, when this arises, you know you're on, your heart's involved. So this makes sure that you're doing something that feels good to you, that feels, um, yeah, like your heart's involved, like you can live in love, so to speak, and what comes easily. So this is not what's hard or not what's challenging. It's like what flows when your heart's with you. So would this be like a characteristic? Yeah, what came for you, for example? Uh, <laughs> oh, too personal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Enough about revealing my secret self online <laughs> on on air. <laughs> Although, okay, maybe it would. Could it be, um, like, 
like curiosity or connecting with neighbors is that, I mean, I really actually genuinely like that if you think I'm just pretending. (laughs) Or is that more fire? Well, do you need that for sustenance? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, Okay, then that would be your fire, the south. And what flows is, for you, is like a good conversation. Okay, all right. Because your soul is there. Thank you all for listening to my questions. Mm -hmm. Or when your heart's there, what flows when your heart's there? It could be listening to my kids instead of thinking I should be doing something else. I'm not talking to you specifically. For example, for me, what flows when my heart's engaged in what I'm doing is a feeling of spaciousness and no pressure which is why I spend a lot of time in the horse field because my heart's there and I feel spacious and no pressure. And then in the north, which is the earth, it's what is your way of action? For many of us here on Cortez, it, it, for you know, it's get outside every day. But what do you feel called to do? Rather than, you know, thinking, standing for something, feeling inspired, what's the action that allows you to get some momentum and some traction in your life? Make sense? Yes, she's nodding. And then the center is what's your home zone? When you feel, you know, confused or unsettled, what is it? What's the quality you need, or what is it you need to do to kind of just settle and just get stable again? Could be having a cup of tea. I'll say one of my favorite ones, if I go out and about too much and I get a little agitated, I go home and have a bubble bath. And it's like, if I'm feeling good at the end of that, then it's like, it was just, I was out there too much. And so this is your personal compass as we move into this year. What do you need to sustain yourself? in the fire? What's your good medicine that keeps you well? What do you need that allows your heart to flow, that allows you to feel that sense of ease and connectedness, that relationalness? And what do you need to actually do with your body that helps you feel like you've got some traction and you're not spinning your wheels or you're not stuck or you're just in a place of inertia? And then what do you stand for? And more than anything in that I've noticed over all this year, I mean, it's evident in the news and everything we read, we are all being called forward to stand for something. And here's a, a personal example in, the, you know, the, the, all the racial uprisings in America and in the States in this last spring, prompted by the, the episode, <laughs> the loss of George Floyd, you know, were particularly meaningful to me, having 
spent a lot of time in Africa and witnessed it so blatantly there before I began to be more aware of it here. And my own father having been involved in the affirmative action movement in the States alongside his um, African-American colleague. They did a lot of work in San Francisco in the late 60s and into the 70s. And is what do you stand for? And after that incident, I had a, literally had a dream the next week that I was there as a bystander on that sidewalk. And being in this grandmotherly stage of life, I just walked up to that police officer and said, get your knee off that young man right now. And so it, it's that kind of thing. What would you stand for, whether it's in a grocery store or when it's when you're in a conversation for a few friends, and not to just feel anxious and shirk back, but through these other qualities with kindness, be able to say something that's true and, and be a witness to something, and a, a, a stand-up-and-be-counted kind of witness. I I really love this, and I'm wondering, this is a super put-you-on-the-spot kind of question, So, um, but I, I was thinking to myself, okay, and I want to, here's my map, here's my compass forward, and so now how how do I use this? Like, how do I make sure that I'm using this compass? And so I was thinking, like, would I check in with this when I'm starting a, a week, when, I, when I'm starting a new project? And then I was thinking about my child. And um, I was just having a conversation with my younger child today about um, when, about kind of this, about what it means to be a bystander. And when we see things that might, we might describe as bullying or that we think are unjust in some way um, and uh, and w- how culpable we are when we stand by and watch them. And of course, we went back to one of the great metaphors in our family life, which is Harry Potter. And we're talking about the example of Neville Longbottom, who if you have or have not read that story, what you can know is that Um, so, you know, everybody knows in Harry Potter that Harry Potter is the great hero. And, um, and so of course he's the great hero figure and throughout the books, he is the one involved in all the action. And Neville Longbottom is his foil, right? He's like the dumpy, nerdy, gets everything wrong boy. And at the very, in the very first book, Neville Longbottom his great act is to stand up to his friends, Harry Potter, when they're doing something wrong. But actually, in the end, like Harry Potter and, and Hermione were actually involved in this great act of uh, heroism that brings like the conclusion of the wonderful first story. But, but in order to do that heroic thing, they had to kind of misbehave and break the rules. And Neville is the one who stood up to them in that process. And throughout the story, to its final conclusion, Neville is this like silent hero who's able to stand up even in the face of a great deal of sort of like, no, you're wrong or, you know, like you're the the loser at the back of the classroom. And so I was really thinking about this and how I would help a child or any other person and maybe use a compass, like their compass, to to figure out what is their role 
in life because we're seeing more and more this very thing, right? That we do, have, like you said, we, are, we need to be called to stand up for things all the time. And so how, how would you describe to, you know, a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old, how they might make use of their compass to navigate, you know, and just even like anything in life, an experience at school or how they're trying to figure out how they're going to be amongst their friends, et cetera. I hope that wasn't way too roundabout. Um, but that's what came up for me. Could you be specific? That's more helpful. <laughs> okay. So I guess what I'm saying is, so now that we have this compass, if you've taken down and you've sort of thought about your, um, your east, south, west, and north, um, and... Um, and then your home. When, when you are about to embark on something new, um, whether that be a new project or just a new day, how can we pull out that sort of compass to help figure out a way forward? And, um, and then I was trying to add this really difficult second layer of how we can do that as easily as possible, so, you know, explain it as easily as possible so that it could even be translated to a child. Mm-hmm. What, as beautiful with a child, it can be very simple. And I can imagine their directions would come pretty spontaneously when you ask those questions. Um, what comes as you're posing the question is what do you need to feel like you're supported that would be the south and then to ask for that of their parent or their friends or of themselves wonderful yeah and then I was wondering if you could also uh, take a second. You were talking about kind of that feeling of home and how we create that feeling of home. And you have a little kind of uh, bodily embodied meditation practice that you do in just a second or, you know, or in a minute every day that you mentioned. And I challenge you now if you could try to explain it over the radio. Easily. Okay. Let me say, first of all, that compass, when I explained the what sustains you, what do you stand for, that was adapted from something that I learned with the Tumo Kane at Hollyhock a long time ago. So lots of things that I've learned with him are woven through what I do. So the morning practice. You, sh- you can do this anywhere. I usually do it when I let the horses out into the field and... I stand there while they start grazing, and there's four lines to it. It's a kind of a a poem, I guess, if you will, and it's a a kind of a verbal meditation. And there are some head movements that go with it, but I think that might be a bit complicated on the radio. So the first is, as I circle my head, not moving away from the microphone, (laughs) I say, Dropping drama and distraction. And then you take a big sigh and feel yourself dropping the drama and the distraction. And for me, the drama isn't so much personal, it's, you know, it's the news. As is, and the news is the distraction. You know, at this stage of life, I'm pretty good not having the drama <laughs> myself. 
So dropping drama and distraction. And then bowing your head to your heart. Resting in the deep heart. And sigh and kind of feel your heart kind of center belly resting in the deep heart, which is where you go when you drop the drama and distraction. Or where you can go. I appreciate some people are anxious and have some very unsettling things happening in their life. And, and this, you know, one time may not help. But I know from my own experience that doing something like this day after day, even if it doesn't feel true, even if you don't believe it, does begin to change how your brain works. So resting in the deep heart, which is those qualities we were talking about. Resting in the deep heart. And then lifting your head up. And I like to spread my arms, abiding in the luminous space of equanimity. And that's the bigger picture. Abiding in the luminous space of equanimity, that kind of composure in the, when you can stand like that in the middle of all this cacophony that's going on, either in your own mind, you know, in your home or your family, your engagements, the outer world. And then the fourth line for me, because I'm usually standing on the ground with the horses, his hands on my heart, we are earth, home. You know, because it's not humans and nature, we're all nature. We are earth, we are a tree, we are a human, we are a horse, we are a rock, we are the wind, home. I feel a lot calmer. Um, I I always love uh, kind of meditation prayer type things that have hand movements because it's easier for me to remember them. Um, so I I it's the only time I've ever wished that there was a video aspect to folk you. <laughs> which does come full circle because at the beginning Orion Lee and I were both talking about how much nicer it is to be on radio than on video um, so I this thank you Orion Lee this has been am amazing and um, I thought maybe we could end um, before I do a number of announcements uh, with things that are coming up uh, with you talking a little bit about a program that you sometimes do called Emerging Future, and which often, I think last year indeed, you offered this um, in partnership with Folk University at this time of year. It's a fantastic thing to do at the beginning of a year. Um, I have done it before with my partner um, before we moved to Cortez even as a way to kind of figure out what the next steps of our lives were going to be or just to reorient ourselves into the new now. Um, so seems like an incredible time to poten potentially do this on Cortez or with other people and maybe to do it on Zoom. Can you talk a little bit about the possibilities around that and what your emerging future is? 
it can be your emerging future for an individual or our emerging future for an organization. Really, it's, it's a, a, a completely new, different approach to what might formally be called a strategic planning process. No flip charts, no post-it notes. And it's be, so when I do it virtually, either with a group or an individual, uh, there's five sessions. And in the first session, we collect ourselves out of the past because we need to get present so that we're not dragging all this stuff from the past. And the way we do that is look at what we've accomplished. You know, we could do that with, you know, if we were going to do one for Folk U, we would look at in this short amount of time what has been accomplished. And then uh, there's a certain way of honoring those accomplishments. And then those become the ground from which you can move forward. Or, or achievements. And they're not like we list them. There's a certain creative process for, you know, in a meditative kind of reflective way. You might not know that one of your main accomplishments was having chickens, you know. <laughs> City girl. Um, then the the next piece is what are your values now? And we do another creative inquiry for finding those, and then we place them on the compass that we just talked about. So, you know, it's based on qualities. What's the, what's the value that you need to be sustaining? What's the value that, is, that causes things to flow harmoniously? And really, what do you stand for? What's the value that you stand for? And what's the way forward? And so that compass is really valuable and really fun to come up with. And then then you have that compass, and then we work with that and come up with, I don't like to reveal it all ahead of time, but what's your guiding purpose? Formerly called your mission, but there is in you a guiding purpose that is evoked and you write it down and, and we work with it to craft it. So then you're caught up with yourself and in the present. Then the second half, the first half is predicated on the out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing. There's a field, I'll meet you there. So there's no wrong, no right in this. And then the second half is Mary Oliver, the you know, some of those poems just before we came on today. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Actually, it's not plan, and it's not necessarily one, but we just open up to the possibilities so often. You know, like, what's that single sword? What's the one thing? But the precursor to that is open the sword into a fan. What are all the possibilities? that come and you're not committed to anything and then we work with those possibilities and look at the themes and then begins to come what is your future begin to look like and what are the concrete steps that will take you into that so it's a very organic creative inquiry so I'm just guiding the, the inquiry and I feel like we're going to figure out a way to bring it on zoom 
through folk you why not we decided that in the break yeah yeah (laughs) why not that's that's what we like to do just figure it out um so look for more of that on cortezisland.com and hopefully on folkyou.ca and uh feel free to reach out in the meantime if you get excited when you've got excited today you can find out more about any of these things by being in touch with folk university at the letter u at folku.ca that's f-o-l-k-u dot c-a and orion lee has um a lot going on as you've heard and you can find her and some of the things that she mentioned including um the meditation one of the meditations she mentioned and a number of other things at some of her websites would you be willing to tell us the white her sanctuary information and if there's other um, uh, your, you, I think you have the Orion Lee website. Can you, how, how can people find out more about you and some of your offerings? Whitehorsesanctuary.com and orianlee.com. One N in Orion. Perfect. And if you can't figure that out, she's also on cortezisland.com um, on the tideline. And you can always find her by emailing me. Um, so thank you. Do you want to mention some of the things that we talked about today that people might be able to find out more about on your website? All of the things we talked about, all of the things we talked about today, (laughs) everything we heard, you can learn more about visit there. Um, thank you very much, Orion Lee for today. I feel so much more grounded. We all got to hear me have um, a number of special sessions with Orion Lee. So that feels just uh, amazing. Um, And uh, so I appreciate you taking the time to share with all of us and your willingness to just birth all sorts of new possibilities for the community. Thank Mm. you. I love these conversations with you. Well, so do I. Um, and thank you, neighbor. Thanks for being here today and being part of the conversation. A special thanks to those who called in. Uh, you are near and dear in my heart. Um, and a little call out to Dancing Wolf and his awesome show before ours, um, which featured Mary Oliver today. If you don't tune in to the Muses Garden, I highly recommend that you check that out. It's right before Folk You every Friday. Uh, and we've got things going on through Folk University, not just this radio show. So uh, sort of amazing. Um, We have a a series that is happening with CETA, the Cortez Community Economic Development Association, and NIAFS right now called Pivot Cortez. And it's about preparing oneself for self-employment and getting prepared for the new economy as things change. Uh, Orion Lee just mentioned the um, uh, Your Guiding Future, Your Emerging Future um, offering, which would blend really well with that. If you are thinking about how your work life might be changing, uh, don't discount the possibility so that you can uh, experience through your emerging future as well. So the Pivot series is Tuesdays at 11, and it's all free, and there's details online at cortezisland.com, the tideline. And it's not just for Cortez Islanders. You quadra people, um, even people in Campbell River, Powell River. I feel like if you're hearing this today, it is happening on Zoom. And the beautiful thing about Zoom is that it's there for any of you. 
We will also be partnering with the Community Forest, and hopefully we can get Orion Lee out for this too, on a second Making It on Cortez event that's going to happen February 20th. This was really popular last year, uh, not just because we fed people dinner. So this is going to be a virtual dinner um, and uh, a virtual feast of ideas and local people talking about the resources that are available to help you create a living work on Cortez. So you can learn more about that as things develop on CortezIsland.com. Again, that will be a free event. It'll be happening on Zoom, available to the community. And we're still looking for people to do breakout groups, etc. So please be in touch if you're interested in attending in any way. Um, and that making it on Cortez Take Two, which we'll be doing in partnership with CETA, Folk you and the community forest and any other partners who want to help put it on call up. So next week on folk you radio, I am really excited to say we are going to be talking about what's going on with the free store. Yes. Oh, even Orion Lee is excited. <laughs> are you wishing that the free store was back up and running? Do you have hopes, dreams, visions, ideas? Well, we are going to get to the bottom of where things are now, what the path forward is going to look like, when it's going to be open, and maybe we can even start dreaming big. Um, Noba Anderson is going to come and talk about what is happening on the regional district side. And I know some of you have been doing some of your own research and have some of your own ideas. I would love to invite you to participate in this session, too. Please, 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 please be in touch with me at you, the letter U, at folku.ca. That's F-O-L-K-U dot C-A. Um, I'd like to try something new with next week's show, if it's possible, where we maybe even have a number of us having a conversation as part of this on Zoom at, that's, you know, on air. Or we'll do it the good old-fashioned way, where you come into the studio and some of you call in. All things are possible, but you must reach out to me if you want to be part of that conversation at you at folku.ca. Again, neighbors, I cannot thank you enough for being part of my community and part of what makes Folk University, Folk University. I look forward to hearing more and sharing with you next week. Think. That's it for another edition of Folk U Radio. If you'd like to learn more about Folk U or subscribe to our podcast series, visit us at folku.ca. That's F-O-L-K-U dot C-A. Folk U is produced at CKTZ 89.5 FM Cortez Radio dot C-A. My little brain's almost always got something lame it's got to say. This show is brought to you by the Local Journalism Initiative, the program funded by Heritage Canada and administered through the Community Radio Fund of Canada. It's embarrassing, all the stupid things I can't think of to think about. Is there anything that could really bring my mind back to myself? Thankful I can think, but I'd be thankful.
Thank you for loaning me bus fare. Thank you for showing me around. That was a very kind thing to do. And thank you for the use of the clean towel. Thank you for half of your bed. We can sleep here like brother and sister, you said. But you changed the rules in our hotel. And I, I don't know what you and your sisters do. But please don't, please stop. This is not my obligation. What does my body have to do with my gratitude? Look at you, little white lying For the purpose of justifying What you're trying to do I know that you feel my resistance I know that you heard what I said Otherwise you wouldn't need the excuse And thank you for letting me stay here Thank you for taking me in I don't know where else I would have gone song you've been playing incessantly and then forget once it's gone you can't write me off you know you don't turn me on so don't don't change the rules in an hour or I, I don't know what you and your sisters do but please don't please stop this is not my obligation what does my body have to do with my gratitude oh.